without further ado, please welcome the handsome pastor, Bolin Gray. I will have you know that I did not pay her to say that. Um, the beautiful Vilma, that's my girlfriend. Um, actually, that's my wife, just so you guys know. You're like, this is weird. What church did I, did I show up to? Um, I feel like that tryptophan has kind of set in, huh? The turkey. I feel like we're a little bit uh, kind of chill today. So if you're alive, wave at me and smile. All right, are you ready to hear from God's word? All right, I hope you're excited. I have something for you. Um, and hope that you did have a great holiday. Um, Thanksgiving um, is very, very important to me. I grew up, of course, uh, here in the States. My dad was big on the turkey and the stuffing and, and the ham. And so uh, it's a big deal for me every year. And, of course, we don't want to lose the, the reason and the purpose of the holiday, and that's to be thankful, right? And so I prepared a word for us that I think is going to be a blessing, because it was a blessing to me as I was preparing it. And um, since we're on the heels of, of Thanksgiving, I wanted to talk about something called gratitude. Say gratitude. So uh, with my job comes the, um, the ability to travel often. And so one thing that I really enjoy is going to different countries and seeing culture and celebrating culture. But what amazes me is that how we here, even in the United States, if you look across the regions, we have different cultures even in our land, even in America. And so my dad retired in Florida. It was in North Florida. That's right on the border of Alabama and Georgia. And so it was considered the South. Even though we were in North Florida, that was basically Alabama and Georgia. And so I'll tell you this, if you've been in the South or if you've been in Texas, that Southern hospitality is alive and well. And so it's easy to spark up conversation. And so one thing that I like to do as I travel is I like to gauge internally how friendly people are. And so believe it or not, I feel like here in Vegas, people are fairly friendly. So um, I have a couple of personal tests that I use to kind of gauge people's kindness. And so one of them is the smile test. And so if I go to a place, I'll try to make eye contact and I'll smile at somebody. If they smile back, I go, okay, that's cool. These people are, they're kind of, they're kind of friendly, right? And so um, there's a shirt that I saw that I want to get. It says smile. It confuses people because in our day and time, people don't know what that means. You know, you're smiling, you're, you know, is that at me or, you know, and so, and I'm, I just hate that it has to be that way, that a smile can be so mis, misread, uh, but that's one of my tests. The other test is the door test. Open the door for somebody. I like to see if they acknowledge you or if they say thank you or smile, and so you open the door and, uh, you know, and they'll, they'll say thank you. Oh, no problem, right? And you go, okay, oh, these people are kind of friendly. And so kind of on the West Coast, I find that, you know, it's all right. You know, we do okay. But earlier this year, I had the privilege of going to Israel. And so I had to catch a flight in Newark, New Jersey. While I was in New Jersey, it was right across the river. I said, I'm going to go into New York. And I tell you what, when it comes to friendliness, (laughs) 
In New York, forget about it. <laughs> forget about it. Don't even try it. And I remember I was by myself. I was catching a flight the following morning, early in the morning. And so I said, the one thing that on my agenda that I have to do is I have to get New York-style pizza. And so uh, I take the subway um, under the river, uh, get to the other side. I'm in New York now. And I come up. Uh, I get to see the... Uh, you know, the memorial, the 911 memorial, um, and I kind of soak that in, you know, have a moment. Uh, but by that time, I'm hungry. And so I walk down the street, and I see the first kind of pizza place uh, as I'm walking by, and I stop there. I have my pizza. I have a cannoli. You got to have one of those too, right? And so as I'm coming out, oh, no, I'm sorry. As I was going in, there was three guys, young adults, and they were coming out, and so I opened the door, and I let them out. Not even eye contact, no acknowledgement. They just all walked out, and I was like, okay, they failed. <laughs> they failed this test. They are not friendly, right? No acknowledgement, no thank you. And so have you ever done something for somebody out of the kindness of your heart, and they didn't acknowledge you, or they didn't say thank you, they didn't nod their head, they didn't smile? None of that has that ever happened to you. Well, I want to talk about gratitude, like I said, but I want to talk about the game-changing power of gratitude. So I appreciate it when somebody acknowledges, when somebody says thank you, but it made me wonder, how often do we do that to God, maybe? Because after all, he does so much for us, doesn't he? I wonder how many times do we just kind of walk past and just maybe feel entitled that, you know, we're just going to get it anyway. And so one of the things, um, one of my favorite theologians, his name is R.C. Sproul. God bless him. We'll meet him in heaven. He's, he's passed on. But he was a professor at a class at a Bible school. And he said that people are so conditioned by God's grace and God's goodness. And so he was teaching a class. And he said, in my class, you only have three assignments. That's it. You have to write an essay, a 10-page essay three times, um, and that's your grade. And so the first assignment was due, um, like in September, September, uh, no, October, September, October, November were the, were the assignment dates. On the first due date, the kids, uh, the college students came in, they said, oh my gosh, professor, please, man, we, we mismanaged our time, we have these other classes, you know, and we didn't get our paper done, can you please give us extra time? So he says, you know what, okay, no problem. Get it. You got a couple of more days to do it. The second month came around, October. The assignment was due again, and the same thing. But he found that the first set of people, it was only like 10. By the second assignment, it doubled. Oh, professor, we're so sorry. Man, we didn't, you know, we, we, we messed up. And we, this is right around, you know, kind of midterms. And we can't, you know, we, can you give us extra time? And he said, okay, you know what? This is the last time. This is the last time, but I'll give you more time. By the third assignment, triple the amount of people who didn't do their assignment on time. And they came in, and he said, who was your assignments? Oh, don't worry, prof, I'll have it in a few days. And he said, okay, uh, Jones, where's your assignment? Don't worry, prof, I'm working on it. It'll be in in a few days. He goes, wait a minute, you don't have your assignment? He said, F. And then people start getting uncomfortable. He starts calling out names. Where's your assignment? I don't have it. F. And as he went down the line, F, 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 
Somebody finally said, you know what? That's not fair. And he said, okay, let's make that fair. Who here turned in your other assignments late? Some people raised their hand. He said, F. F on all those assignments. Because they just assumed that this professor is just going to be good. And sometimes we take God for granted like that. Because we got his mercy and his grace all the time, don't we? The fact that we even wake up and breathe is God's goodness and mercy to us. If you think about it, God owes us nothing, right? But he freely gives. And so we're talking about gratitude. Let me start off by reading this article by a guy named Robert Emmons. He has a PhD in psychology. He's a professor at UC Davis. He's the world's leading scientific expert on this issue of gratitude. So here's the article. Um, He says, after decades worth of research on gratitude, it has shown me that when life is going well, gratitude allows us to celebrate and magnify the goodness. But what about when life goes badly? In the midst of the economic maelstrom and everything else that goes on in the world, it has, uh, everything else that has, goes on in the world and has gripped our country, I've often been asked if people can or even should feel grateful under such dire circumstances. My response is that not only will a grateful attitude help, it is essential. In fact, it is precisely under crisis conditions when we have the most to gain by a grateful perspective on life. In the face of demoralization, gratitude has the power to energize. In the face of brokenness, gratitude has the power to heal. In the face of despair, gratitude has the power to bring hope. In other words, gratitude can help us with hard times. Don't get me wrong, I'm not suggesting that gratitude will come easily or naturally in a crisis. It's easy to feel grateful for the good things. No one feels grateful that he or she lost a job or lost a home or uh, has uh, a home or good health or has taken a devastating hit on their retirement portfolio. But it is vital to make a distinction between feeling grateful and being grateful. We don't have total control over our emotions. We cannot easily will ourselves to feel grateful or less depressed or happy. Feelings follow from the way we look at the world. The thoughts we have about the way things are and the way things should be in the distance between these two points. But being grateful is a choice. A prevailing attitude that endures and is relatively, relatively immune to the gains and losses that flow in and out of our lives. When disaster strikes, gratitude provides a perspective from which we can view life in its entirety and not be overwhelmed by temporary circumstances. That's the article by this uh, PhD who studies not just psychology, but gratitude. So we are tying up our series called The World Has Gone Mad. How many know the world has gone mad? The Bible talks about wars and rumors of wars and and famine and pestilence, and we see all of that, but how many know there's a battle going on right here in our society? And it gets even more personal. There's a battle going on right here in our minds. And so what this uh, doctor is telling us is that there's anything that can help you get through the battle here and the battle here, the equalizer, the balancer, is something called gratitude, being thankful. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. We're going to read verse 11 
through 17. It's a familiar story you've probably heard. It's about the 10 lepers. Starting in verse 11, it says, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, this is Jesus, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. Of course, they stood at a distance because they weren't allowed to get near people. And they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. The reason why he said go and show yourselves to the priest is because the priests are the ones who say if you are cleansed or not, if you're, if you're clean or not. And so the first thing Jesus says, he didn't say be healed. He said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thank me. Because number one, you have leprosy. You're banished. You can't be around people. Number two, he was a Samaritan, which is a half-breed. You were part Jewish, part something else, uh, Samaritan. And so uh, in that context, uh, Jewish people didn't like Samaritans. That, that bias, that prejudice goes back 800 years. 800 years. So he was a Samaritan. Verse 17, then Jesus answered, were not 10 of you cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Bow your heads and pray with me. Father, we just ask you one more time, as always, to send your Holy Spirit to communicate this word. Lord, where, where um, I may fall short in communicating, Lord, I thank you your word uh, can do it really all by itself. But Lord, I pray that I can add something today. So Lord, open up our hearts, open up our minds to receive. Holy Spirit, communicate as only you can. But most of all, even as my wife prayed earlier, uh, that we would not leave this place unchanged. Let your word go deep. Let your word have an impact, Lord, so that by the time we walk out these doors, Lord, we are a different person. Lord, we agree with your word. We say yes and amen. Amen. All right, so here's the context. So back in those days, leprosy, leprosy has terrified humanity for many generations since the ancient times. And so this is what we're talking about here. People who had leprosy had to, uh, like I said, be banished. So imagine if you find out that you have leprosy, and you, we can ask Dr. Johnny here afterwards, but leprosy, um, I, from what I read, <laughs> from what I read, okay, he's probably going to correct me later, but it's a, it's a bacterial something that, okay, so far so good, that affects the body um, and causes nerves to, to die. So you basically, you, you lose feeling. Um, and people will start to lose fingers and, and, and limbs and, and that even parts of their body will begin to kind of rot away. They can't feel it. The worst part is because you can't feel, you'll do something to hurt yourself and you won't even know it. And it causes further damage. But more than that, if you find out you have leprosy, you have to say goodbye to your family. If you're a husband, imagine saying goodbye to your wife. You'll never see them again. Uh, saying goodbye to your kids, you'll never see them again. If you were a wife, saying bye to your husband and kids and never seeing them again. If you were a child, 
looking at your parents and your, and your siblings to never, ever see them again. To have leprosy was a death sentence in so many different ways. Socially, you're disconnected. Talk about socially distanced. This one didn't end. You know, and then you're basically just waiting to die. You had to have a sign over you that said unclean. And when people came near you, you had to ring a bell and you had to shout, unclean, unclean. That's a warning to tell them, don't get too close to me. I have leprosy. So this is the backdrop of this miracle that we see. But the crazy thing is, as we read about this miracle, the writer who consequently was a doctor, Luke, was a doctor. He doesn't want us to focus on the healing. We know this because the, the story continues. And so he's saying, you know, not just that you got healed, because, I mean, think about it. Jesus healed, I mean, 10, 10 lepers got healed. Praise the Lord, right? Isn't that awesome? But somehow he looks past that. And he goes, there's this one guy. There was something about his faith, because it says that their faith made them well. But there was something about his faith. It was something different. And that's what Luke, the author, is writing about. So here is a couple of things that I observed in this story. I'm going to try to break it down the way that, as I was studying it, really just kind of opened up my eyes and really, I mean, man, I, I love it when I get into God's word and it comes alive like this. So I'm going to try to communicate it in the same way. But gratitude allows you to see with greater perspective. You know what they say? People who are thankful are more productive. People who are thankful are generally happier. Doesn't mean their situation in life is any different than the next person. It's just that they see things differently. You know, grateful people will take the shopping cart and put it back in the place in the parking lot where it's supposed to be. So that when you park, it's not sitting and blocking the good parking space that you thought you had at Target. There's something different about being thankful. So it says in faith, in faith, the men did as they were told. Jesus always required faith from those who wanted to be healed. We read about the story about the, the, um, the paralytic at the pool of Bethesda. Have you guys looked into The Chosen yet, that, that series on Amazon? That is such an incredible series, man. It's, it's, really, it's really blessed me. But they show that, the man at the pool of Bethesda. And Jesus is not just handing out free healings, but he's saying, what, 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 do, what would you have me do for you? What do you want to happen today? Jesus was always checking the intention. Um, and so we read that of all the ten, one of the men turned around. Now, it says he was Samaritan. We, it does, there's no other details about the healing or about the people. We can only assume that they are either Jewish or Samaritan. But one of them came back. And it was, like I said, it was like a double whammy. First, he's, get a, he's got a death sentence because he's got leprosy. Secondly, he's a Samaritan. Nobody wants to deal with a Samaritan, especially a Jewish person who Jesus was. But verse 15 says, one of them, when he saw, say, when he saw, when he saw that he was healed. So what's the Bible really saying here? 
that the other 10 didn't see that they were healed? That can't be because it would have been very obvious because if you're missing fingers and, and you're missing toes, uh, that would mean that there, some of them were using canes. And so I can imagine the scene probably went like this. Jesus, Jesus, go to the priest, present yourself to the priest. And they're thinking, okay, we heard about this guy. He, whatever he says happens and he's healing people. If he says, go to the priest, let's go to the priest. And as they're going, I imagine them struggling, flesh falling apart. They probably stink. And as they're going, they're going, yo, your ear grew back. Your ear, look at your, and they're probably going, oh man, you know, oh man, my fingers. How do you not see? How do you not see that? How do you not notice that? But it says, as they went, there's something about obedience that God honors. We're going to build into something here. Something about obedience. So yes, of course, they all had to have seen as they were being healed. But this guy, there was something else going on. What made him turn back while the others didn't? And imagine, if it were me and I hadn't seen my family, and all of a sudden I see that I'm cleansed, I'm not dirty, I'm not lepro- uh, I don't have leprosy anymore, I'm probably running to the priest, hurry up, pronounce me clean, so I could go see my wife or my kids or, or my, you know, my husband or whatever it is that you, you the, the role you played in that family. That's probably the first thing on your mind. Not that you weren't uh, grateful for that, but what was it? What was it that was different? Something else was going on. When it says that he saw that he was healed, it means that he didn't just receive the miracle. I appreciate DJ's exhortation this morning. When we come to worship God, a lot of times we've been beat down during the week. We had a rough time at work. Our boss, who we already, you know, you're looking at your bank account and saying, man, I got to do Christmas shopping, but man, I got to put gas in my car also, and the gas prices are so high. We just drove in this morning from California. Gas prices are high. As I was sharing this message with Vilma, she was driving, we were taking turns driving, you know, I had to guard my own heart because I was like, God, I need to be thankful, but man, I just paid so much for gas. And so I'm preaching to myself here. But it doesn't mean that he didn't see or didn't notice. What happened was the other nine received from God. That's good. We want to be able to receive from God. But what was different here, something was going on in his heart that allowed him to see something that was more than just a healing. And God's working in his heart and it caused him to, although his family had to have been important, It caused him to stop and pause and say, my goodness, my goodness. That gratitude caused him to go back to God and it caused him to worship. As DJ was talking about our worship, we come with something. What are we offering God in our worship? And so this causes him to express worship in a different way, and he shows up to Jesus saying, man, I am so grateful. I, get, I have to give you something. And it says he bows down and he, and he worships him. He even raises his voice and lifts his voice. The difference was the others received from Jesus, but he gave 
back to him because of gratitude. It's not just about the miracle. It's about the God who provided the miracle. Had the others been thankful to God, not saying that they weren't, but they weren't enough to go back while the other one did. Psalm 107 verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. We know this. We quote this. There's a song we used to sing, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And then the whole church would shout, his love endures forever. And it, I mean, we love this song. This was a song that the Jewish people would sing as they were doing a processional towards the temple. As they're ascending the mountain, they would sing this song. And it sounds like a great song. Nobody would disagree. But they would sing that song with the backdrop of a dark history. You know, they could have said, you know, God, where were you when we were in Egypt for 400 years in slavery? God, where were you when our nation was being ruled by ungodly kings and being run into the dirt? God, where were you when our kings that did love you were dying? God, where were you? They could have turned into complaining, right? How many have that friend or coworker or family who just constantly complains? How many of you, that's the first person you invite to Thanksgiving? You know what I'm saying? And so sometimes you invite, yeah, oh, please come over. And you're going, oh, I hope they don't come. I hope they don't come. And then everybody's having a good time. They're like, oh, man, they're here. We complain. You know that America is one of the most ungrateful countries in the world. Oh yeah, not hard to believe, huh? I thought that was going to be impactful. Y'all like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when we're not complaining and we try to get spiritual, we turn it into complaining. You know what complaining is? Oh God, I just, oh God bless, oh God bless this, the person in church who sings behind me off key. <laughs> Lord, would you bless them but help them sing on key? Complaining. We get spiritual. Where the Israelites could have complained, what they were doing was conditioning their hearts on the way to the temple. The gratitude and the thankfulness preceded their worship. Before they even got to the worship, they're conditioning their hearts. God, we're thankful. God, you're good. Your love endures forever. There's nobody like you. And they would sing this over and over. One group would sing it. The other group would would repeat it. And they would do this all the way to the temple. That's what this psalm is about. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Where they could have said, where was God? Now, I don't know about you. I've had a lot of where was God moments in my life. Have you? I've had many of them. More than that, I've had questions. God, not only where were you, I got more questions for you. Why? Why did it happen that way? Why? How many know what I'm talking about? Especially in these crazy times. As we're talking about the crazy, just the things happening. God, here's the thing. The words of the psalmist God's people chose, they chose, they made a conscious decision to focus 
on the blessings of God rather than the pains of the past or the problems of the present. They chose. Gratitude is a choice. They could have complained. They could have got bitter. They could have started grumbling. But I want to tell you, if you don't know already, that life will hand you some situations. Life will hand you things, some circumstances, many times we have no control over. But as believers, as followers of Christ, sometimes we have to make a conscious decision to praise him anyway. We have to make a conscious decision to be thankful anyway. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 18 says this, even though the fig trees have no blossoms, this is the prophet Habakkuk, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. You notice something here? There was a whole lot of even those, wasn't there? Even though I face sorrow, even though there's no food, even though over and over, even though, even though, even though. I'm here to tell you, you can only stay in the even though for so long. Eventually, you've got to get to the yet. Even though I'm going through this, yet I will be thankful. Yet I will praise you. Yet I will worship you. Is that denial of what's happening? Not at all. It's acknowledging it, but it's also acknowledging who you got in your corner. The person who can handle all of those things. The person who can change that circumstance for you. It's acknowledging real life and it's acknowledging him. I'm going to thank God anyway. I'm going to worship him anyway. The part of the verse after that, I didn't read it. I should have added it because now that I want to think about it, it's, it's kind of a long verse. But later on, it talks about, uh, it, along that passage, it talks about uh, that when you go through that, it says, God, you will make my feet as the sheep on a mountain. Have you ever seen those longhorn sheep that we see up here in Zion National Park and kind of in our area? And then you watch uh, National Geographic and you'll see like a cliff. It looks like a wall. But you'll see these sheep just like, not just balancing, they're like running and you know, going all over the place. And God says, look, if you will be thankful, it's the very thing that will set your feet just like those. You could be on the face, ready to fall, but you'll be, mm, if we'll just be thankful, if we'll just have gratitude. I remember <laughs> a good friend of mine, he's, he just started the church in Panama. His name is Pastor Rico. Well, we kind of were coming up in ministry, to, and so I invited him from Manila to come over. And so while we weren't working, I said, hey, you know what? We got to do some jet skis. You know, Guam is beautiful. It's got ocean. And, you know, we got to do some snorkeling. But the other thing I wanted to do was indoor rock climbing. And so, <laughs> poor Rico. Um, I said, you're first, bro. <laughs> and so they have these little nubs. 
And so, you know, you're all anchored up in case you fall. And so the first thing you do, you're like, okay, um, I need to grab something, right? And the nub is like this. You're like. And then you're going. And you start to climb, right? These little things that you're holding onto and you're going, this is impossible. And I remember Rico getting almost to the top. I'm like, bro, you're almost there. Keep going. He gets to the top and he's going. And finally he gives up and he falls. And sometimes we feel like that in life. But God is saying, just be thankful and you will, you will stand. I will set your feet. You will go nowhere. Gratitude is the very thing that will ground you. If we can just learn to do that. Here's my next point. Gratitude produces the grace to follow God. The grace to follow God. You ever notice that some people just seem to follow God really good and then some others just really struggle? You ever notice that? Is it just me? Right? Or, you know, you're encouraging somebody to come to church and they came to church for like a month or two and then you don't see them anymore. Right? I think this is going to help us. And if you were like me and you struggled like that, where I would be in church sometimes and then I would be out of church for a while, I think this is going to help you. So in verse 15, it says that when he saw that he was healed, he turned back praising God with a loud voice, okay? That was the response of that one leper, And then Jesus responds in verse 19. And he said to him, Jesus said to him, rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, we've already talked about this. All 10 lepers had faith to receive. Anybody ever receive anything from God? God has blessed you. You came to church. You walk out blessed because you, man, I just met with God. I was, oh, the worship hit the spot, you know, the word was right on point, right? We receive, we all have faith to receive. Matter of fact, that's what we hope for when we we show up. Let's dig into verse 19 here. Jesus said, your what has made you well? Your faith has made you well. The Greek word where we get the word faith from is pistis. It's pronounced pistis. And it means this. Uh, It's a very interesting word because it does mean faith. It It means a belief that causes an action. So they had faith. Unfortunately, their action wasn't to go back to God. It was to receive the miracle. We all want the miracle. We all want the good stuff. But there's something else. I think this is gonna open your eyes. It means to believe enough to act on something, but the word pistis also has another meaning, which is faithful or faithfulness. So while some of the lepers had faith to receive, this one leper, he had faithfulness. Something the other 10, think about it, the other 10 lepers didn't have. Because if they were faithful, they would have came back, but they weren't. So there's a difference here. There are some who have faith to receive from God because we love them, we like them, we like the blessings, don't we? We want our blessing. But are we faithful to turn to him? In Galatians where it talks about the fruits of the spirit, 
You know the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, um, yeah, what are the others? One of them is faithfulness. When you look at Galatians, it's the same word, pistis. That fruit of the Spirit, I don't know about you, I struggle to have all the fruits of the Spirit, especially when I'm driving. And you struggle for that. Faithfulness is one of those that God wants us to have. So here's the point I want to make. Again, all ten had faith. Ten lepers took Jesus at his word. They believed and were healed and they were cleansed. Thank you, Lord, right? We're a Pentecostal church if everybody gets healed like that. We love that. But while all ten had faith for healing, only one had faith to turn back. My question to you is, do you have faith to be faithful? Because that, there is the difference. Jesus said, we're not all ten cleansed. Okay, now we're kind of deciphering again. Jesus said cleansed. That has to do with the with the physical part, with, the, with, the, with leprosy, right? We're not all 10 cleansed. We're going to get a little bit deeper. And of course, we know they were cleansed because the leprosy was gone. The Bible says that they were all healed. But then in verse 19, he says, rise, go. Your faithfulness made you well. Say well. In other translations, it says, your faith has made you whole. So we're going to focus on that word for a little bit. It's a Greek word meaning salvation. So now we're talking about something else different. Because when you break down that word um, salvation and that your, uh, so now we're saying it's not just faith that made you whole, but it's your faithfulness that makes you whole. And not only did he receive physical healing, but that word says that you received, if you were to break that word down, it talks about rescuing. It talks about a divine rescue. And to put you in a place that is safe, not just safe, divinely safe. So now we're talking about eternity. So talk about a double whammy. First, he's a Samaritan with leprosy, but now he's hitting the jackpot on two, two sides. Not only is he being healed, he's being saved spiritually. Two things. When you, when you dig into this, this is what it's saying. In other words, faith will get you started, but faithfulness will get the job done. As we begin this relationship with God, and as we begin to follow him, we don't just want faith. I, you know, I just feel like sometimes God is saying, you know what, enough about your faith. You ever had somebody at work, oh, you know, faith is just very important to me. Right? Oh, what church do you go to? Oh, I don't. But faith is in my heart. I have church with Jesus at home. My faith, how many know God wants us to stop talking about our faith and start talking about our faithfulness? In other words, he said, stop talking, show me. Show me. If you have faith, we can brag, we can talk. But if you have faithfulness, you're going to follow. I'm going to see you. If you have faithfulness, it's a difference. When we're talking about what is the difference between the other lepers and this one, that there is the difference. So thinking about the leper situation, their faith was beautiful. America loves faith. Just look on Instagram. 
some of the biggest influencers always talk about their faith first. Right? Their faith is beautiful. There's a faith that believes, but then there's a faith that abides. There's a faith that believes and there's a faith that sticks around. There's a faith that receives, but there's also faith that returns. It comes back. It's different. Again, their faith was beautiful. It healed them. It got them going. But faithfulness will keep you going. There is the difference. Faith will get you started. Faithfulness will finish the job. Ten were healed, but then this one guy, Jesus, was like, your faith, it's different. He made a distinction. Your last point here. Gratitude provides a place of peace and salvation. We kind of leaned into that already. He said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. It's talking about eternity now. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I don't know if you've ever noticed or wondered about this verse. It says, do not be anxious about anything. <laughs> Easier said than done, isn't it? Don't be anxious about anything. Sometimes as a pastor, I go, the Bible says, don't be anxious about anything. And I'm going, God help him. <laughs> God help me. Because I'm going through my own stuff. But it says, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, notice the sequence here. But in everything, by prayer and supplication and what? Thanksgiving. You can't leave any of that out of the equation or else it doesn't work. It's interesting. He says, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, when you do this, the peace of God, which we don't understand and we probably never will, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I don't know about you, but that's exactly what I need in the day and the time and the events that we are living in. I need God's peace to guard my heart. I need God's peace to guard my mind because there's just too much going on. There are two uses of this word in this passage. One is practical, the other is divine. Jesus said, go, your faith has made you well. Again, we talked about it has made you whole in other translations. The Greek word for whole or well is sozo. You guys may have heard this. There's some ministries who kind of, they call themselves sozo. Here's what sozo means. It means to rescue from danger. We live in a world where just we can be harmed in so many different ways, not just physical, but up here. It means to provide uh, safety from danger. All 10 lepers received sozo. They were all rescued, weren't they? They all received that part. There's something else. Because that was just the physical need. They had to socially distance themselves for life. That would hurt already. That would drive me nuts. I'm a very social person. You keep people away from me, I will go nuts. They had a social need, and they were rescued. They had a physical need, 
leprosy. They needed healing. They were rescued. They were made safe. The root word for sozo, uh, sozo um, we're going even deeper in the word now, is soter. Soter means a savior. It means to save or to rescue divinely. Here's the thing. We don't like to think about the possibility of anybody being eternally separated from God. Because the Bible says that life is like a vapor. It's here one day. Think about it. Life is like a vapor. It's here one day. And then it's gone tomorrow. And so many times we'll hear about somebody that we knew. And we're going, oh, man. I just spoke to them. That's how fragile life is. But the thing is, the ball is in your court. We decide, we decide, Jesus made the way. It's like if the house is burning and there's a ladder and somebody put it up, they say, hey, go down this way. And we go, nah, man, I'm good. That's not on the person who brought the ladder. That's on me. So we don't like to think of that, that there's a possibility of being eternally separated from God, not making heaven and having to go to the other place. You know, how do you say that nicely? You really can't. But it means to be divinely rescued, to be brought to divine safety, being saved from eternal danger. And this is what this leper, because of gratitude, he hit the jackpot on so many different ways. Thank you, God. Thank you. How many are getting some out of this? Yeah. Isn't this good stuff? The Bible never ceases to amaze me. You know, I was reading this. Oh, man, I was convicted. I was like, God, I need to be faithful in so many different areas. Before we pray, you want a bonus point? Gratitude is not silent. That wasn't supposed to be in my message, but I thought, you know, I'm going for it. It says he came back. And with a loud voice, gratitude is not silent. Number one, it brings honor to God and it glorifies him. But what's equally important for God, not just for him to hear your gratitude, but he also wants others to hear your gratitude towards him. It's one of the easiest ways that we can bear witness to who he is, to people who don't know him to be thankful to God and to be able to say, man, oh my gosh, he did it all. He did everything. Why are you doing so well? Why are you not shaking? Oh man, because, oh man, I tell you, because of, of Jesus. Man, he's, he, what he's done for me and he's, and he's changed my life. We want to be able to go to God and glorify him, but we want other people to know that <laughs> where that's being deflected. That's important. God wants to hear it, but God wants a lost world to hear it also. Are we thankful enough to God that it moves us in that kind of way? Are we not just people of faith, but are we people of faithfulness? Bow your heads. Father, we thank you today for your word. 
and what you're doing even at this moment, even at this point, Lord, I believe you're dealing with our hearts and dealing with our minds. And if I could put my finger on one thing that has really helped me grow spiritually, it's in this decision process that I had to make that God, I'm just, I'm gonna follow you and no more playing games. Lord, you're not impressed with the showing up every once in a while. Lord, you're not impressed with the offering a prayer here and there. Lord, you don't want just faith. You want faithfulness. And so, Father, thank you for those who have discovered this and found it. But, Lord, for those who haven't, Father, I pray. Lord, for those who would today say, God, I want to be faithful. I want you to see my faithfulness. And if that's you today, I encourage you to let this word sink deep into your heart and then change you so that when you leave here today, it's not just about your faith, it's about being faithful. That means I will be faithful to read my Bible. I will be faithful to pray. I will be faithful to get involved in community. That life group that that person's been inviting me to week after week, I'm gonna finally go because God, it's good for me. Lord, bless your church today. Father, we just say that we are thankful to you. Lord, we have so much gratitude for what you've done, who we are, where we live. Lord, you designed all of that. You made it that way. Father, we trust you. You know what you're doing. Lord, let your plans, let your will, let your purpose prevail in our lives. And no matter what we're going through, Father, let us operate and move in gratitude. Lord, let that be the very thing that changes the way we see things and the way we operate. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.